Yes, <laughs> I'm talking with uh, Andre Mitchell here. So, so happy to have him on. I told him about his good reputation, which, you know, it's always nice to hear that. Like, you never know how your comedy is being perceived and like, you know, with your peers and everything. And I just know that I've heard a lot of great things. And when you did yeah, Wave of Wine and so stuff, bad. it was like, Sorry. it was like Andre's the greatest, like Andre's the best, like, you know. <laughs> Because I think you've just been doing it so much. You have, like, a lot of, uh, like, just stuff built up. You have been doing it a while, right? Uh, we're on, like, eight years, I, I guess. Okay, so, like, similar to me. Like, same. Like, uh, I started in, like, 2015. So, okay. like, it, it it is a crazy, like, it is crazy how fast it goes by, though. And, like, yes. you're just like, oh, wow. And the, the like, the relationships that build, it's just... Everything. Where did you sort of start doing comedy? I started uh, back in Michigan. Oh, what was that like? What What was Michigan like compared to New Jersey and like New York, as far as comedy goes? Uh, Michigan is, I guess, more similar to New Jersey than you would say to New York. New York is its own animal. Right. But Michigan is super laid back. It's not. It doesn't feel like everyone is trying to uh, make it like every everyone people have aspirations but they're um, also they're enjoying the process right they're realistic um, with it I think that's always a great way to be I think I always get you know in my head about you know that I gotta have more stuff and more notoriety but part of me just loves doing stand-up and loves you know writing jokes and doing all that and performing. Yeah, I feel like that's how a lot of Michigan people are. And I think I, I get the same vibe in Jersey. Right. Um, if, you're, if you're performing a lot in Jersey and you're right next to New York, then you're probably just in it for the experience at this point. Yeah. Because once you come to New York, it's it's a big vibe of like, okay, I might blow it. New York gives you the feeling that you could be the, ne the next big thing tomorrow. Right. That's the energy that a lot of comedians carry whether it's at an open mic or whether it's at a show, you know, whether they're one year in or 10 years in, everyone has this energy of, I could be the next big thing tomorrow. And I feel like New Jersey and Michigan are I'm way more laid back in their approach to stand up. Right. And uh, what would you say that matches sort of your approach? Like, what's your, your sort of way, so, I guess, that you Yeah, my feel. approach is, uh, I am focused on the long game. I am, I am, I'm a mixture of the two. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like anything big could happen at any moment. And I think that I'm ready. I want to be prepared for anything big to happen at any moment. But I also want to be prepared for what's supposed to happen after that big moment. I think a lot of people aren't prepared for after the big moment. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, so it's... Like, if you notice today, everyone's dropping clips and stuff. If you're dropping clips and you're new into comedy and you only have five minutes of material, if that clip goes super viral and everyone follows you and you, everyone wants you and you only have five minutes, you're not ready for the thing after the big moment. Oh, yeah, for sure. That happens a whole lot, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's a real thing. Like with me, um, I put my stuff up way too early. I was like a year and six months in. And it's nice to look back at stuff 
Like, I'm like, how did anyone let me talk for six minutes? <laughs> I was like, how did anyone get away with that? But I look back at it, and it's nice to watch your progression. But to me, I always yeah. tell people, especially younger comics, I'm like, you know, wait it out a little bit to put your best stuff. Because I always am, it's a, it's a hard thing because it's the, the way to do it is more, more content you produce, the more that it gets out. But to me, my, my problem with it is I always want to put out good content. Like, I want to make sure the stuff the that I'm putting out is good. I think the, the rules have changed. I, the rules used to be that you should wait to put the good content out and wait till you develop. But now it's just, now you're not in charge of what's good content anymore. So it's, it's actually kind of weird nowadays to wait. Uh, uh, People who started long longer ago, like yourself and my, yeah. myself, we think, okay, wait, get good, make good content. But nowadays, like, you're not the decider of what's good or not. It's, right. The artist isn't in control no. of that. It's it's social media that's in control and of that. And with social so media... Because of that, when you make all of this, when a yeah. new guy comes, they're like, I don't know if it's good or not. Let me put it on the internet. And you'll see people who are very new that'll have videos go way more viral than somebody who's more tenured. Right. Because that social media and algorithm decided should be out there. So right. it's, a, it's a different train of thought. And I, I don't blame people nowadays for just putting their stuff out, even though that's different to how I, I grew up believing and, and probably how you grew up believing. Yeah, well, the way that I view it is people view it sort of like... They sort of want to view it as like a movie of themselves or like a journey. It's like you kind of want to tape every moment and make sure everything. I wish that I had written a journal like in doing comedy and like, you know, really like taped more stuff. Like just like moments of, you know, big things. But I was just, I was just doing it. And there's sort of a thing that people like with that. They romanticize having the, you know, having the journey shown of, this is where I started and this is where I'm going. Yeah, it's not too late to start. You can start recording now. Yeah. Oh, I, I, it is. I'll record now. <laughs> thank you. Um, but uh, thank you so much for doing this and being on and everything. I, I want to ask, like, uh, so you sir, we started around some more time. Did, um, were you, this is like a, a silly question, but were you funny as a kid, do you think? As a kid? Yeah, I was always pretty uh humorous um after, it just took me a while to kind of get into my own skin and want to speak out right and i think that helped because i was an observer at first mm -hmm. so I, I spent like the younger years just kind of observing everything that happened and just thinking about it so then when i finally opened my mouth i kind of you know just knew how a lot of things work right like comically I, I could i understood what was what made stuff funny and i i, I had I was able to observe and analyze things quicker than others. So I was always like quick to the punch. Right. Uh, because I spent so much of my younger years just observing and asking questions. Um, right. That's a good, that's a good to way to do sometimes it. Sometimes you miss, when you're the one speaking, you're missing out on what everything else is happening. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I learned how to watch what was happening first. And then I, I started speaking. Wow. That's a great, that's a great mindset to have. You know, it's very like, you know, studious to think that in that way. I hope you don't mind me asking, how old are you? 29. Oh, okay. I'm going to be 29 in December, so we're around the same age. <laughs> it's, uh, 
it's always less cool like to see how different comics come from and everything. And like when you were starting out doing mics in Michigan, was it like was there a lot of comedy clubs and stuff like that had open mics, or was it mostly just like you had to find your own type of stuff? So as far as comedy clubs, there was only two comedy clubs that did open mics. Mm-hmm. One of them closed down maybe a few months after I started. I did that mic one time, and it was it was great. It was my first it was my first open mic ever. Actually, it was at the comedy club. Right. It closed and it went well. It kind of got me hooked, and um, that one closed down. Then there was another comedy club, uh, and that one's still open. That one's still open. Uh, I've never performed at that club. I could never get it. The process to get on the mic, I was never selected. No, uh, so I mean, I clubs are hard. It. You know, clubs are extremely hard, and it's so tough to explain to, like, people that aren't in comedy how tough it is. Like, the in New Jersey, we have... No, they don't want to put any open micers on stage. So it's, like, such a weird, like, thing you have to go through where you have to, like audition to host and like you know get like a waiter job or whatever at the club or whatever and then you know it's like they don't want to put anyone it, it's such a it's such a frustrating thing because it's like how is anyone new or like that's been doing it you know around you know at open mics everywhere like supposed to gain any traction when they won't let us so it's it's very frustrating here in the part of jersey that i am in where there's just the clubs are very tough yeah, clubs are yeah very tough to break into. Um, it it sucks. You you wish it would be like a some clubs have a better process, right? To try to get talent in there, but a lot of clubs are they have just their own political ways. Yeah, um, each club is unique, and everybody gets to each club in a different way. Right? Are you um? Two people get to this club the same way. Right? Are you passed at any? Clubs anywhere? Uh, in New York, I'm past at uh, Broadway and Greenwich Comedy Club. Oh, cool! I did I did um, bringer shows there when I was starting out, and uh, my family really loved going to that. But it's like to me, it's like I'm not going to do bringers anymore. And you know, it's funny like that kind of uh, like I thought that kind of ended like the whole bringer thing ended when COVID happened, but they're still coming back and. It's, no, uh, I think it made it stronger. Yeah, it did. Because there's so much new people doing stand-up. And, like, what's so separate from us is the new way of people doing stand-up is really, really, is really interesting. Because there's a lot of people that we're kind of, we kind of know the before times of where we used to do comedy, like, kind of everywhere. And, like, randomly in front of people. There's a lot of people that aren't used to audiences and are used to performing in front of other comics. It's been really tough for me to perform just in front of other comics. What about you? Do you enjoy that challenge of making other comics laugh and like kind of trying to like pop your friends yeah. a little, or is it? I think that's 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 the uh, that's the core of my process is to perform in front of other comics. I think that's what has allowed me to uh, separate myself from my peers. Is that I enjoy that because. Um, at the end of the day, the audience can have... The audience is... If you learn how to perform to a certain degree, the audience is going to laugh. Audiences are easy. They came to laugh. Right, they came to laugh. Comedians didn't come to laugh, and comedians 
they understand comedy because it's their profession. Right. So I think it's hard to make comedians laugh when you're doing material and you're performing in a way that they see is predictable or they've seen it before but better. Right. I think for me, in order for me to make comedians laugh, I have to be, I have to do something that they've never seen before. And not like in a weird, quirky way. You know, I'm not like uh, eating bats or anything. Or right. But like, I, have a premise that they that they couldn't think of and I have to execute it on a way that they've never seen it executed and I, I that's why like for me personally all my new jokes I start at open mics I don't really start them at shows mm-hmm. because I want to know that my peers see that it's like it has to be funny to them if it's funny to them then I know it'll be hilarious to um, actual audience members right but I don't so I, I, I actually really enjoy personally, and I, I know I'm an outlier in that sense, but I want to be claimed as one of the best by my peers, and I can't do that if I'm not performing in front of them. Right. And I just, when I first saw you, it was the hosting. I didn't really get to see you do stand up until earlier, the last time I saw you, was really see you kind of in action because you were hosting with the Ways of Wine. So I, and you just always did an excellent job. Have you been asked to host in many places? Yeah, I thought uh, Waves of Wild was the first place where I actually really hosted. Uh, that's where I started hosting. Mm-hmm. I never really cared to host. I got offers to host at uh, Broadway mm-hmm. in uh, Greenwich, and I, I asked. I, I respected, respectively uh, declined. Right. Because uh, I, I prefer to do sets. Uh, right. Longer sets um, where I can really develop jokes. Right, uh, but since Wicked and Wine, that was my my show. I really wanted to make sure it worked out, so I will host there. Uh, since then, I host another show. I host two other shows in New York, and uh, sometimes when comedians have me on, when they come to my shows and see me host at those shows, they'll ask me to host their show. So, right, um, I have hosted a little bit more since then. I I try not to host too much. I do like it, but I, I prefer doing sets over. Yeah. To me, I always, I, I like the, I don't like the, um, the setup of everything. Like, all the technical stuff, like, that's kind of, I, I heard you had to deal with that with Waves of Wine, just like, it's just all this little stuff that you have to get done before you can actually host, and it's like remembering people's names, and, you know, it's like, I've known these people for so long, how come I can't remember all of them, and it's like, you know, when you can do stand-up, it's just what you aim to do your entire thing with us. So, when you, so let's go back. Uh, who were the people that you sort of watched and liked before you did stand-up? Uh, I was a big Kings of Comedy fan. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, D.L. Ugly, Cedric the Entertainer, Steve Harvey, and Bernie Mac. Mm-hmm. And then Cat Williams was a big person. Oh, yeah, Cat Williams. Awesome. Daniel Tosh, I watched a lot of his stuff. Oh, yeah, Daniel Tosh, big fan of him. Those would probably be the main core guys that before I even watched, started doing stand-up, those were the guys that I watched. Right. And uh, do you have, like, a different perspective on stand-up now that was different from when you watched it? Was it, like, when you got into it, you're like, oh, this is easier than I thought it was, or harder? or No, it was definitely harder, um... And it was it was understanding that 
the what you see guys put out, like it, it took a while for them to get to that point. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it, it, it they make it feel so natural. Yeah, they do. Uh, I'm going through this with a joke that I have right now, where it's like it's really crushing pretty hard, and it's like six minutes, seven minutes long, and I, and people just see that that joke is doing so well. And what they don't understand is that I had that premise for two years before I actually knew what to do with it. And then I bombed with the joke for like three months before I ever found like what was really funny. Right. And so me going through this process, I'm like able to see that all of these comedians I was watching, that a lot of their jokes that just seem so natural and funny, they went through the same thing Yeah. some of their jokes. I mean, one of my favorite things about Daniel Tosh that I relate to so much is that, like, with his stand-up, he always gets uber-specific about stuff, and, like, that's how I like the joke, is that he gets very specific and very, like, into one topic, and, like, to be able to stick with a topic for a long amount of time is very, very tough to do on stage, because we just always are patterned to want the audience to laugh like every five seconds. So when there's like a dip of like, oh, they're not laughing for two minutes, but then they laugh at the end, it's like such a relief. It's like, okay, it worked. But that... that yeah, that dip is like, you know, I've, I've come to learn to like it. Uh, right, I think I think that's what you have, you have to do. You have that dip, but then keep their attention. Right. That that actually feels a little bit better than laughter at times. Right. Where you're like, hey, they came to laugh, but I'm not even making them laugh. No. And they still are paying attention. It's like it's like on, it's like it's like the top of a roller coaster. It's like yeah, they're gonna they're there. You just gotta bring them down and make sure it it all works out. And it's. You know, to me, I'm always, I always just want laugh, laugh, laugh. So when it happens, I just, I had this, I would, I went to uh, Texas last year and I had this set and I gave me like, I guess it was like a 10 minute set. I, I ended up doing like eight minutes because I was killing, but it was like, I didn't want that dip to happen. And I knew once it happened, like it would just ruin whatever I had, you know, yeah, planned. And I was like... That's- part of the growth but they gave me shipper and i was like yeah i probably should have stayed up there i was like they gave my my friend that got me the got me the gig he was like oh you should have you should have stayed on stage a little bit more like you had time and i was like yeah i was i was killing and they made me go second to like the host so when you're second to the host it's also like when you're going first you'll probably relate to this with hosting and stuff it's like you have to keep that momentum going and whatever energy is in the room. So, like, you're kind of like second host. <laughs> so it's like, okay, i got to start this mic off and give it a proper energy, or the show off and give it a proper energy. And to me, I was just so focused on killing that I was like, oh, yeah, this is going down. i got to get it off stage now. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, part of, like, really becoming, like, a great comedian is... Uh being able to manage the dips because sometimes right. the room will dip and it's not because of your set right so the better you're able to uh, manage those things um then the, the more rooms that you can't bomb in right uh because sometimes maybe like uh somebody like i don't know maybe an awkward tension comes because of like the crowd interaction oh yeah um, or yeah or a joke just bombs 
Right. I think being able to manage those dips. I want you. I wanted to ask you about this because um, we you, you mentioned it earlier with people putting clips online and stuff like that. What's your opinion on crowd work? Like, do you like to do uh, it, or what's your sort of take on it? I have a terrible attitude towards it. I'm always like, the audience isn't funny. If they were funny, they'd be doing this. <laughs> well, it depends on. I think it depends on your view for. Um, it's your view for. What are what is your job as a comedian? If your job is to make the audience laugh, right? Then you know you do that by any means necessary. Right. Crowd work is just using the audience in order to make like an organic joke, right? Like in that that we in that moment, like, yeah. So I think crowd, I think any good comedian, um, you know, once you be like a professional comedian, yeah, you're able most all. Com- Comedians can do the crowd work. It's a lot of just simple tricks that comedians use in order. So I don't think being good at crowd work makes you a great comedian, but I think a great comedian is good at crowd work. Right. Uh, it can be a crutch. I try not to use it as a crutch because uh, I personally want my jokes to be strong. Right. But I think you got to be able to have, especially if you don't want to bomb. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you got to just start off with crowd work to get the audience loose and to like you. If your goal is to be a traveling comedian and hitting the road and being a headliner, yeah. then you have to be a controller audience. Right. And sometimes controlling the audience means that you talk to them. Sometimes controlling the audience means that there's dips and you manage those dips. Right. All of these are what you gotta have. Right. Wow. That's a really great insight and like great advice too. You know, um, I want I always ask this. Uh, are your parents, like, supportive of your comedy? Oh, uh, yeah, very. Oh, that's good. Uh, they always just wanted me to do whatever made me uh, happy. Uh, they never really cared for me to have any specific path, so they're very supportive. Mm-hmm. And uh, were they very much into comedy, too? One more thing. When you were growing up, were they, like... They watch a lot of comedy stuff with you, or not really. We they they all. So my uh, my dad was like he's the humorous one. He's he uh, he's very witty and quick with jokes. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where I got a lot of my humor from. Right. Um, and my mom was always a very big comedy fan. Like she always had comedians that she really loved and watched. Uh, right. She still see Cat Williams every time he comes back to Detroit. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and she's the super smart one, so I kind of got, like, his humor, I got, like, her brains, and I was able to kind of mesh the two together, and it, it kind of made me the comedian that mm-hmm. I am today. Do you have any siblings? A ton. Ah. Uh, uh, six. Oh, wow. Brother, so, older you had to, so I guess there's a lot of attention there, that's probably where you had to perform a whole lot, like, were, are they... Like, pretty performance-based and stuff? Or are you mostly the one that kind of liked the attention? Yeah, I'm probably... The, my older sister was the only other one who... Uh, she was into poetry. Oh. She started to do... We, I actually started doing open mics, and she was doing poetry at the same time. Oh, like we cool. started performing live together. Um, 
but then life happened and she kind of stopped doing it and I just kept doing the stand up. Right. Uh, all of the siblings, no, they, they are, uh, they, they're like the leaders in their friend groups and circles. They're performative in that way. Mm-hmm. Like they can, they can lead conversations amongst their peers. But as far as like having aspirations to talk in front of uh, public audiences, they don't, they, none of them, none of them care for that. Right. And it's, uh, so are they are they like do i know there's probably a few of them so do are they interested like in your comedy or do they not really pay attention to it uh no everybody everybody in my life uh is pretty supportive oh that's good Um, yeah yeah i don't i don't really have anybody that's personally in my life that i you know that's not supportive of what i'm trying to accomplish right and uh how many times a week are you like are you performing? Uh, right now, there's I've uh, kind of taken a step back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been trying to figure out this uh, social media stuff that uh, these kids are doing. Oh yeah, it's I've, tough. Some of my nights, uh, actually learning how to edit videos because I wanted to be able to do it myself and recording videos. So right now, I'm probably around like three times a week or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Uh, at my peak, I was getting up maybe around like 15 times a week uh, so wow. in, the, in the next few months I'll, I'll at least try to get back to around like six or seven times a week are you, on stage are you mostly longer sets mm-hmm. are you mostly in the city or is it uh or is it just jersey mostly in uh new york I, uh. you know i get occasional stuff from jersey now and then I don't really know a lot that's going on in Jersey, and I feel like a lot of comedians don't realize that I'm in Jersey, so right. some comedians, they never even think to book me in Jersey. Right. Well, we have such a huge scene that it's kind of like, and you've kind of been around where it's like, it was the beginning phase, so like, there's a lot of new blood that's like heard of exactly. you and people, and it's like, okay, they're, you know, so it's it's cool that you do that, uh. Do you have um, do you have like a crew of other comedians that you sort of go to mics and like shows with and like sort of work out your stuff with? Uh, I have like two peers that um that I'll, I'll hang out with as far as uh maybe have some mics up together. Mm-hmm. Um, but not really. I, I I'm a I'm a loner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always thought the process was like a very intimate process. Right. Uh, between me and comedy. So, and I, I think if you hang around people too much, uh, like I always wanted to get around different people and absorb different things. Right. Like we have two guys that I'm really close with in comedy. So, uh, if they want to hit mics up or anything, I hit them up. Any random people will hit me up. Um, and we'll do mics together. But for the most part, I, uh, I try to do a lot of things alone. Right. I've been, I've been very lucky in that, uh, just in the past couple of years, like, cause I don't drive, uh, I, uh, got other comics to drive me. So like, I, um, I got to meet a lot of comics and become friends with them and they do different styles of comedy. So like one guy is, uh, I don't know if you've ever met him, uh, John Beecroft, he does a lot of like one liner kind of Mitch Hedberg style stuff. And then okay. Eric Harvok, who I visited in Texas, he's very much like, very dirty stuff, very blue, like, humor. And then Vijay, I moved in with last year, 
uh, he's a great comic. He's very smart and dark humor. So it's like, it's not necessarily dirty, but it's dark and very, very smart and witty. And like to be able to like have that rub off on you is like a cool thing. But also I can be very in my head too. Like when I'm, you know, I always feel like the amount of pressure always changes, right? Depending on your mood and depending on the room. Do you feel like before you go on stage, like, are you like, it's go time. I know what I'm doing. I'm comfortable. Or are you like kind of freaking out before you get on stage? Uh, I, I typically don't freak out. Uh, maybe earlier in comedy, it was very nervous. I had to be very prepared in order even to grab the mic. Right now, I'm pretty loose. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, want, I, I like to have a general idea of what I want to accomplish on stage. But for the most part, right now, I go on stage and I just, I just try to just have fun. I, I have confidence that whatever I do, the, the audience will like. And I understand that if they don't like it, then it's just it's just one of those days and it, it happens. So I typically try not to put too much pressure on myself when I go on stage. And I feel like that works pretty well for me because I can just be in the moment and just try to have like an authentic, right. organic experience with the audience. And I feel like, you know, when, when you have that, when you keep building and being on stage, you kind of build that confidence of like, oh, they can't really scare you because you have to, I've noticed, especially in... New Jersey, like you have to be very, like take your, take your chance, take your spot because people are going to talk over you, people are going to be audiences are not going to be you know, nice especially nowadays performing in front of comics and stuff. But like with audiences, like you have to be very tough as a comic. So that's my been my experience. So to build that up and sort of get that confidence is great. I know we we're talking about like bombing a little bit. I always. I'm interested in talking about that. Like, uh, uh, have you dealt with a lot of hecklers in your time of doing stand-up? So I've always thought a heckler was somebody who was trying to, like, uh, upstage you. Right. And I, I found out years into comedy that people consider anybody talking during your set as a heckler. Right. Uh, I still go by my definition. Right, I yeah, I go by that. Consider- you know, because comedy is a very, I don't mean to cut you off, but comedy is a very, like, it is supposed to be conversational stand-up. So there is a give and a take with the audience, of course. And that's where Kyle Rucker and stuff comes in. It's like, you got to know when you're saying something, you're going you're gonna to interest people. And that's going to perk them up to say something or make a comment or whatever. And that's not necessarily heckling. And a lot of people, they get very, um, they get very careful. Like people don't know how to act in comedy clubs. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, I've seen hosts do it now, which is great. Like Danny Braff does it great where it's like, he kind of explains stand up to an audience and kind of like allows them to know what to do and not to do. Cause a lot of people just don't know. Like my mom would come a lot and it was just like a lot of stuff like you just have to sort of explain little things. Uh, when I first brought her to, <laughs> she first came to the call up with me, uh, she, um, she was like, why do they keep doing the same material? I'm like, oh, they're, they're working on it for bigger shows. It's like, once she got that, she sort of didn't mind hearing overused material over and over again. Yeah. 
So it's like, I guess with that, it's like, you know, you, you're always getting, you know, the new, the way to do it. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, that was a long time. I, I talked for way too long. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, we were talking about, you know, hackers and stuff. Have you dealt with anyone? Like, what's your approach to that? Because I'm always way too... I, first, I was way too cowardly, and now I'm, like, way too mean. What's your, like, sort of instant response when someone is actually an active, like, bad type of heckler? Yeah, so I'll say that I typically, like, it is very, like, I can count maybe on one hand how many times people have tried to, like, upstage me or say, like, that's not funny or anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. I've, I try to go on stage super prepared uh, or, like, especially when I first started. Now I'm just, I, I think I, I've reached a certain level of funny. And understanding that I've, I've been fortunate enough to not have people uh, like heckle in the sense like where they're trying to say like, oh, you suck or anything like that, or uh, try to counter any points that I make. Um, but I, I typically uh, I typically try to put the audience member on the spot. I try not to be too mean about it, but I'm like, okay, what, what would you have said? Like, just try to do something like that. Um, and I, I, I feel like that usually works just trying to put the audience, like really giving them the attention that they want. For right. Me, I, I think the, you want to limit the, the best rule is to just take away their power to think that they can speak. Oh, for sure. I typically allow them to try to speak and then I'll try to, that gives me time to find the funny and what the situation is going on instead of having to have the thing right off the top of my head. Um. I'll give them time to start speaking. Like, oh, okay, what do you do for it? And then just find the jokes there. And, right. Um, I'll kind of drag it out a little bit. And then I'll, I'll usually end it nicely with, well, okay, well, now these people aren't here for me. You be quiet for the rest of the show. I'm going to continue. I'll do something like that. Try right. to make it funny. I mean, um, and it's a big yeah. work. I mean, uh, with you. Also, sometimes if oh, the audience yeah. doesn't react mm-hmm. to what the heckler said, um, and most people are with me, I'll just power through it. Right. I'll just act like it didn't exist, and I'll get the laughs from my jokes, and I'll just continue with the set. Yeah. The good thing is, most of the time, like, what I've noticed is, like, it's easy to get the crowd on your side when there is one or two hecklers, because they sort of protect the comic in a way. They sort of, they're on your side enough to want to see you battle through it. And, like, they want to see you be able to stick up for yourself and be able to do it. But they're also going to have your back if there is someone who's ruining the show. Because they don't want the show to be ruined themselves. So, yeah. there's always that. Yeah, incident where I was hosting the show, actually, now I think about it, in Jersey City. Mm-hmm. And a guy came in and he made some type of comment. This was at a, a bar. Uh, but everybody was there to see, see me, so I knew I had the advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I brought him up to the stage area. And then we just kind of had a roast battle. Oh. And to go back to what you're saying, you know, everything I said, the audience just erupted. Even when I was like, well, that might not have been the best roast. But every facial expression, every joke I made, and then every, no matter what he said, they just kind of, they um, they never laughed because they he was ruined in a good time for them. Right. They, they definitely were rooting for me. So It's like uh, you have that, that hero thing. Yeah. 
That's so great. That's such a that's such a cool thing. And like after the roast battle, like kind of thing with him, was he cool that you gave him sort of that attention, or so, was he was he sour over it? It goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like every time I have these interactions, I usually still try to. I'm because I'm a nice guy. Yeah. I usually still try to make the audience member feel like okay, but now we're cool. So when it happened, I was like everybody. I was like that was fun. Everybody clapped it out for him. Yo, sit down, man. You know, have a you know enjoy the rest of the show. And he sat down and he he was pretty cool after that point. So yeah, I that, grew up in that's really Detroit. great. There was a few comedians who. I remember audience members would go to the shows, but they hated sitting in the front because they didn't want to get right. roasted. And that's and a I thing now. I never thought that that's what comedy should be. I never thought people should Oh, yeah, me too. Me. I always wanted people to want to be closer to me than further from me. Right. Not that those guys are funny, uh, but that just, that's not the feeling I wanted to give audience no, that's, members. That's a very popular genre of comedy that happens, especially in New Jersey, of all places. You know, it's a very much... That's the tough thing is, you know, people are afraid now to go to comedy shows. And I'm always like, you know, you shouldn't be, you know, and that's partly people just know they're going to be picked on or whatever. And it's just like, to me, my stuff is very self-deprecating. Like that's sort of my sense of humor. So I'm mostly going to take aim at myself. I'll make fun of other things and other people on stage and like different topics. But like, I don't actively go out of the audience to like pick on people Unless, unless it's really outrageous. Unless it's something that's like has to be like pointed out because then you have to do that, you know, of course, with when there's stuff going on. But like to me, I'm mostly, you know, so it's very like interesting to sort of deal with that dynamic and sort of see how people, how people uh, react in both uh, spaces. Uh, do you have like a place that you, out of all the places you performed like in the Detroit area and New Jersey and New York, like which one do you prefer the most? Uh, a specific, I've always like get to different venues cause every, you know, it's like every place has a different feel. Right. But the place where I, I got my, my, you know, my, where I, where I really became a regular, mm-hmm. uh, was this place in Detroit called Hopcat. And it was a very cool environment. Uh, you know, I started to build, like, somewhat of a reputation there. Uh, they actually, like, a few months after I moved out to New Jersey, they actually stopped doing the uh, open mic. Uh, so that sucks. Right? When I go back, I can't do it anymore. But right. if, if it's one place where I should perform often, that, that would probably have to be the place. Did, uh, did COVID kill it? No, this was way before COVID. Oh. Uh, I, I think the host of the mics just kind of moved on to different things. Yeah, because we had we had that we had we had an an open mic in our area that was very popular, and then COVID happened, and sort of like we kept it for a little while. But like having that main place, like having those main places to do to do your set is always a great thing. And like, do you have that? Do you have like places? In, what are the places that you hit up now? I guess like mic wise. If I'm hitting up places now uh, for mics, so I, I, I do it in stages. I mm-hmm. try to just, I regionally go from area to area. So I might just hit up a few different mics in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why you saw a lot. Uh, yeah. I'll, then I'll go to, like, Brooklyn. 
I'll do like the tiny cupboard. Right. Yeah. From, they they run a lot of mics there, so that's yeah, I've heard about I've heard about them. How do you like performing there? I've heard audiences are like, and you're not particularly like, you know, uh, like I've heard they're very sensitive. That audience can be. How's your sort of perspective on that? Have you felt like they've sort of have they been uh, what's the word like? Have they given you any flack on your jokes? Like, for being too offensive or anything? I personally have had uh, pretty good experiences there. But I do know some comedians who are a little bit edgier that have have said that. So uh, I can see how that's true. It is a very uh, liberal audience. Right. Um, So I just try to... I think they help... They've helped me to... uh, mold some of my jokes to be a little bit more universal and not as harsh uh but but never i not that they would have to learn anything but i would see the reactions and i would right. say okay maybe i can explain this in a different way and still be just as funny right because uh, the hardest thing about stand-up is that you have to be there's a likability to it that you have to have and that's a major part of it like and it can totally just if people get a wrong you know wrong point of view of you or an incorrect, you know, sort of view on who you are as a person, your stand up is not gonna gonna go well. So you really have to like show who you are in a proper light, if you know what I mean. Like you know, because yeah. people will just pounce on it. For me at times or maybe I, I just presented it in a way that I that they they interpret it a way different than what I was trying to present. So I just had to find the balance. Right. That's always the thing that has to do, especially when like you're doing that type of, people are like, you know, uh, you see that a lot with, uh, um, do you watch Mark Normand? I've seen some of his material. Yeah. It's the same way of like, his stuff is very like, it's very good because he just, he's good at audience reaction and participation like how people sort of react to each word and each you know line so that always is like interesting to me is there any did you watch um i watched a little bit of it did you watch cat williams uh new new uh netflix special i haven't watched his latest one i thought it was really good you know it's just there's an interesting fact about him he's like one of the most prolific like male comedians of like he's had the most like tv specials and like yeah. comedy specials and like it's crazy like a lot of people think it's like Chappelle or something but it's it's him he's been he's been doing a whole lot and he's just he's just so he's also so smart like if you hear like he he kind of has like a weird reputation but like if you actually hear him speak like he's a very eloquent like really smart guy i really love a lot of his stuff uh at uh who have you seen, like, have you seen anyone live lately? Like, any popular or famous comics? The last one I saw live, I saw him, uh, my buddy Spencer got me tickets for my birthday. Oh, who, who, who was, was it? About a month ago at Radio City Hall. Who was it? Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Oh, yeah. That's, that's so cool. Like, just to, that's cool. Just Chris Rock and everything. And was that, like... Was that before or was that after the whole slap thing? No, it was after. This was like two months ago. Uh, um, was he pressured? Because I know that he was having pressure to, you know, it's kind of, it's funny how like people don't know, 
like, I remember see, seeing a clip of him. He was doing his set, and he's like, guys, I haven't wrote about the slab. <laughs> I have an hour of material that I haven't, that I want to show you guys. I can't talk about the slab. Was he talking about it, or was he just focused he on his a, material? But, but he, didn't, he didn't go into, he had, like, a few lines on it. It wasn't a, a big joke. It was more of a sidebar than anything. Right. Because so, I just know that people were pestering him to, like, do material about it. Yeah. I mean, that was, that's such a crazy thing. And, you know, it's so funny with, you know, not funny, but, like, I just hear all the time, you know, I've heard for years, you know, comedians having, you know, problems with audiences being, you know, we talk about headquarters and stuff, but, like, I've never really had to deal with a whole lot of violence. Like, have you had to deal with any of that? Was there... Age? No. Uh, that would be interesting. I'm a, I'm a bigger guy, though, so... Right. It's a, it's a small population that will probably even try it. Right. <laughs> yeah. They haven't. It's just, it's just such a weird thing to think about, like, that that could even happen. Like, I know that's happened to people, and I've seen it before, and it's like, I just don't... I just don't know. And, like, to me, I'm like, I have no idea how I react. It's like, you have a, you have a weapon on stage immediately. You have a microphone. It's like... <laughs> What the hell are you going to do? And there's such a body control thing, too. Like, I'm always so focused. Like, I'm always in my head about, like, what I'm looking like physically. It's like, yeah. If I probably tried to, like, defend myself on stage, I'd probably fall off the stage. Yeah, I, if, I'm sure you're like, guy. if somebody came on stage, there's other comedians. Right. Come, right. Come to your rescue. It's, yeah, there's always that. It's such a weird thing, though, to think, like, that's, that sort of the impact that that had and everything and uh um yeah yeah he got attacked right after that yeah and that was such a that was such a weird like that was a crazy thing are you um are you a big are you a big fan of Chappelle we talked about him a little we talked about him a little bit I'm a fan of Chappelle I wouldn't say big fan right uh just because I want to reserve big fan for the, like, it's, it's tears to my fandom. Right, of course. Uh, Hell is somebody that I really do enjoy, though. He's, if he drops something, I'm definitely going to watch. Right. You know, he, he, he's built up such a great reputation, and, like, so many people love him. And, you know, I think he's really, really good. You know, uh, he, he, uh, he just did, I watched on Netflix, I um, that, did you watch the Hall thing on Netflix, the Comedy Hall of Fame yes. thing? I thought that was awesome. Just the whole entire, like, way that they really did it and the way they, like, to explain sort of to people who haven't seen it, like, they did a really nice, like, I guess it was, like, four or five speeches and then they had, like, a in-memoriam thing for all the comics that died this year. So many comics. It's just, like, I, I just feel very fortunate that's no one, like, in our level that I sort of knew. But, like, I know that happened to a few people, and it's, like, I can't even imagine that. But seeing him talk about, like, Richard Pryor, Richard Pryor's one of my favorite comics. Like, the ability to be able to talk about yourself in that way and just be, like, I can just go on for hours about how great Pryor is. Were you a fan of Richard Pryor? I didn't watch him growing up. I started watching him once I did stand up, but he was he was hilarious. Right. That's that's always like interesting to people that you watch after sta- you do stand up and you sort of like yeah. get it. You get like why they do certain things and why they say like 
when you when you saw Chris Rock, were you able to enjoy it as a fan of comedy, or were you in sort of comic mode that you sort of like were looking at how it in a more technical space, I guess, or were you able to like let loose and actually listen to his stuff? Yeah, comic. I've seen him twice. Mm-hmm. I saw him once um, when he was doing his tambourine tour mm-hmm. back in 2016. Yeah. I was doing stand-up at the time, but I was able to watch that one just as a pure fan. Yeah. But then this one uh, I saw this year, I definitely was in um, comic mode. Right. And it's it's always interesting like to have that, that, that thing of like, oh... Yeah, you kind of see the layers behind everything. And, like, he's he's someone that also I know, like, that works out stuff. You know, he has that delivery that's very, uh, like, characterized to him. Like, he has the way that he delivers jokes. The only story about him is that I know that when he, when he goes to, like, open mics and stuff to work on his stuff, he does it in a very, like, he does all his jokes in a very monotone, like, fashion. Just to, like, get the beats out of, like, okay, set up punchline this is what it is because he just has that rhythmic like thing with his everyone knows how chris rock is i can't do an impression of him but like you know the emphasis on the words and just everything is like that must have been so cool so i have a a similar approach i try not to uh sell a joke too much my first time oh yeah words themselves are funny like, um, yeah. So, like, if you see me at an open mic, if it's my first time telling the joke, it'll be very like, it won't have that that flair to it yet. Because right. I just wanna just make sure that everybody thinks that it's funny on the song. Because I don't want to make it funny because of how I perform it. I want it to just be funny, and I want to perform it and make it even funnier. That's a good. That's a good, uh, like, way to to look at it because. That's always the toughest thing with jokes is, like, you you love creating them and making them they, they work, but you want to know, know on, like, a technical level that they, they are funny. That, you know, yeah. this, is a, this is a thing that is, like, um, like, I've been recently, I've been writing, like, an hour type of thing, and uh, just the way that it's been so tough for me is I want to write... <laughs> when I want to write it, I have, like, two areas of, like, that my mind goes to. It's, like, I want to do the jokes, but also I want to do, like, the narrative of, like, whatever story it's going to kind of tell. So it's very tough. It's, like, oh, I just want to do the jokes. But, like, every set sort of has has a, a set to it, has a standard to it. Do you have that? Do you have... Do you have that? Like, you does that resonate with you, or are you just going up and you just sort of do, like, not really combined material? Uh, so I I, I try to just take every set for whatever I'm trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like if it's to work on this joke, if it's to work on a new line, right? Uh, that's usually like the main focus of the set, and then. Whatever happens after that is just like whatever happens. Like it doesn't, the jokes don't have to be in a certain order or um, I'm not going to stress too much about like how the crowd interacted with all of the other jokes, especially if they're ones I've worked out before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just very focused on whatever my goal for that set was at the time. Right. 
and I know you're taking a break, but um, when you were doing it, I guess, uh, if you don't mind me asking, like, how how long do you usually do, like, show-wise? Like, what's sort of the length of a set that you do nowadays? What do you mean by taking a break? Like, oh, I, I thought that you said that you weren't as, uh, I thought earlier that you oh, said that, oh, that you I'm were... Not exactly. No, yeah, I, I wouldn't call it a break. I still get up. Like, right. At least, like, times a week. Right, of course. But my question was, like, uh, how long would you say your material is now, like, as a whole? How much material do I have? Yeah. Uh, if I wanted to do, like, all my material, I don't know, it'd be somewhere over hours. Right. I just meant, in general, like, what you do. Do you usually do, like, 20 minutes? All my sets? Uh, yeah. If I'm in New York, it's usually going to be, like, an 8 to 10-minute set. Mm -hmm. Cause that's just how they structure. Yeah. Jersey typically get more like 15 to 20, 25 minute sets. Right. Uh, when people put, book me in Jersey, it's using to like close out the show. So I usually get a little bit more wrong. Right. So they're, so being able to do all that and have, you got to put on a lot of great people for, uh, ways of wine when you did like, cause I know you also did like shows and stuff. Kind of, uh, you had special people, they came in. Was that cool to like, how was that to work with them? Were they cool about like the audience? Was anyone, did anything stick out to you? Of like, is there any comments that stuck out to you as really cool to work with during that time period? Uh, everybody. I, I think the vibe that Waves of Wine was just a good one. Everybody just always seemed um, as grateful as I was for people to come. People always seemed even more grateful to just be there. Uh, I think people receive the room and the environment they everybody just always seemed to enjoy it you know sometimes it, it was kind of like a funky feel to it because yeah. it was it, um you know it was a bars but it was also like a liquor store you right know, it's so I, but i think the room setup wasn't traditional right um uh, everybody's was just very receptive to it so um, I think every every single person that came through there, I, I, I enjoy having. Um, yeah, everybody was just always super positive. You didn't really hear people go up there shitting on the room. I, I, I typically, I hate that when people try to bring down a room. Oh, them, yeah. They'll say, oh, this room sucks. Right. And try to laugh, but it, it, it seeps into the minds of the audience because they're like, you know what? Maybe this room does suck. What am I doing here? Right. Yeah, you, you always want to put it, like, if you're going to do that, it has to be in a sort of tongue-in-cheek kind of way of, like, you can't really be too serious because you are trying to run something there and have a good audience and to have a lot of people. So that's really cool. But um, was there, I wanted to know if this was true, did they sort of push you to do more shows and have less of, like, an open mic type of thing? Or yeah. was there... They wanted more shows. Well, at first they wanted to make the mic weekly, and it was bi-weekly. And with my schedule, especially at that time, yeah, I didn't really want to commit to a weekly. Mm -hmm. I said if we were to commit to a weekly, though, uh, I needed some things changed, mm -hmm. um, which was primarily like uh, I wanted like a, a better stage, and I wanted better lighting, and then a little bit more help with advertising. Right. Um, and I like under those conditions. I could do a weekly and it would go well. Because my biggest thing wasn't about, I know they need to make money, and my job is to help y'all make money, but I wanted to put on a great show with a great environment 
Right. That's um, that's one of the toughest things about stand up is people don't have no idea. Like there's this there's this website, I forget the name of it, but oh, Gig Salad. And like you can get gigs there, but like they're terrible. They'll be like, Oh, we didn't know that we have to like have a microphone ready for you. It's like, yeah, you have to have a microphone, you have to have a stage, you have to have a place for me to perform. <laughs> it's like yeah. you know, people don't think about it. Like, you know, and they certainly don't give you give comedy a lot of respect in that way. So was it was it tough for them just so I guess I was kind of the the, the gist of that they were kind of tough to deal with. I think they it, it felt like I, they understood that they needed to do it. There was just no follow through. On There's it. just no follow through. Oh. Yeah. So then, um, yeah. So then they kind of wanted more shows because uh, the when we put on like an official show, the uh, numbers like how much money they was able to make was always pretty high. Right. But. Uh, you know, I, I always wanted to have the mics. For, I, my goal was always a place for the comedians to have, like, a good place to work out of their jokes. Right. Uh, that was that was always the goal for the place. Right. And with shows, that comes with booking, and that would take the away how many comedians could actually come perform. Mm-hmm. I mean... That's not the vibe or the vision I have for the place. I mean, your, set, your place was such a good... was such a good area. Because we were sort of in that, in between, like, I don't like to talk about COVID, but, like, it was, it was a good point of, like, I wish I could have come more, just I was too far away, but it was just, like, I loved, I loved that, the, the energy that you put into that place, and it was always, a, you always got a good group of comics, too. Like, that was always the interesting thing of, like, who's going to show up in this place? And it was always, you know, just really a good crew of people. And I feel yeah. like that was always that was always just a great thing. I always loved going there, and uh, it's 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 such a tough thing to run an open mic. I, there's so many like, and it's tough to do, especially when I I don't I wanted to ask you when COVID happened. Did you do any online stuff at all? Uh, I did like two mics. And I realized that that wasn't for me, and I just waited for right. COVID. To... Yeah, it's it's a tough thing. Was was there a lot of like shutdown, like stuff in your area? Like how close, how far was it for you? Because for us, it was like, it was like maybe three months that we couldn't really do anything when COVID first happened. Was that the same for you? Maybe around that time, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, Wawa started. Right. Wawa started, yeah. Yeah. Wawa is, is an interesting place. I've only been there a couple of times. I've never been to the mic there, but I've heard mixed things. Do you like Wawa? Wawa's cool. Yeah. But it's uh, it's always interesting because, like, there's, the, there's a lot of people there that, like, I don't... I get along with them, but, like, I don't really know them that well as I do know the comics in this area in, like, the Jersey Shore, like, Asbury area. So, like, it's it's a tough thing because, like, it's kind of, like, it can be clicky in a way, but not in a bad way. It's just, like, two separate areas of New Jersey that are just totally separate. And, uh, but what has always been, I remember the first time I went there, I was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is, uh, 
I just remember it being, you know, what, what it looked like and everything. I was like, oh, wow, this is great. But uh, Dan did his special there, and that was the time I went to I went there. Dan, Dan Caprio. Oh, okay. Yeah, he has a special on YouTube. He did a, he, he takes a special <laughs> there, and uh, it was actually, he was supposed to do it at the Brighton Bar, which was the bar I told you about that, uh, our venue that closed, or Mike that closed, and uh, he just had to do it there. But it was, it was it's always crazy, just like how, how much, uh, all right, so, uh, I just want to thank you so much for being on, man, uh, for giving me a lot of time. I hope I asked good questions. I mean, I'm always, you know, yeah, I hope that I gave you good stuff. And uh, you did really, really good. And uh, it was really nice to talk to you. And hopefully, you know, if there's ever, if you ever have anything, you know, happen, you get a, a show or anything you want to promote or anything, just hit me up and we can, you know, we can promote it and whatever. Do you have, um, what's your social media stuff? Everything is pretty much underscore comedy connoisseur. Okay. All right. Great. Um, are you on Twitter? Uh, yes. Okay. I don't, but I have one. <laughs> All right. No, cause I have, I have, uh, I have a Twitter for this podcast. So I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll advertise you on there and you know, that, okay. that'll just be just so, yeah. So you'll see. <laughs> I just, uh, I just, I'm always, it's always interesting just to see who's on what cause I'm always trying to get better at this social media thing, <laughs> but, uh, thank you. And, uh, have a nice uh, rest of your weekend. Thanks for having me, Rich. Yeah. I appreciate it. Nice to talk to you. Bye.